episode of Raising the Bar. I'm Johnny Blake. And I'm Yana Brewster. And today we are in O'Neill's Water Street, bang in the middle of Soho, talking about everything inclusivity and diversity. We, have, we are joined by five wonderful people, and we're specifically talking about LGBTQ rights and community in general. So, shall we start with some introductions? Alison, could I start with you? If you just tell us who you are, uh, which business do you work for, and how far did you travel today? I'm Harrison, I've come from O'Neill's Columbus Street, that far, and I'm a supervisor there. Excellent. I'm Tom, I'm an RBM for All Bar One in the West End in Aberdeen, and I've not come very far to all the tenants down there. Excellent, thank you. Hi, uh, I'm Danny, I'm a GM for the court, uh, about a 10 minutes journey. Yeah. Excellent. I'm Maddie, I'm a GM for O'Neill's in Watford, and it took me about 40 minutes. I'm Hannah, I'm Tayem for the course, and it took me about 10 minutes to get home. Good, thank Hannah, you're the furthest away today. Well, apart from Johnny. Oh, yeah. I used to be in the Cool, okay, so we're going to start with a quick fire round. So anyone can shout out, okay. um, and we're just going to hit you some questions. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so texting or talking? Texting. Talking, talking, talking. Text on the sidewalk. It's good to talk. It's good to talk. Good to talk. Absolutely. Yeah. So favorite day of the week? Friday. I'm off work. Thursday. Friday. Thursday. Sunday. Formula One. Yes. Okay. This is a very good one from Yama. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Talk to animals? Talk to animals. Every language in the world. Same here, every language. Every language yeah. in the world. When you travel, there's no like, language barrier. You can just speak to any, you can speak to anyone, like fluently. That would be amazing. Yeah. You can speak to any animal. I wonder if that's like introvert versus extrovert there. Yeah. It's like, don't get any more people in my life. Yeah. 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 Thanks so much. Yeah. 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 I'd love to speak to my cat. <laughs> you do already, though. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Okay, cool. So, if you could travel back in time, what period would you travel to? Just whatever comes to your mind first. Definitely in the 20s. Ooh. Yeah. 1920s. Yeah. yeah. Not 2020s. No. <laughs> Not 40s. 40s. Mm-hmm. I think I'd go back to the pyramids of James. Great Alexandria. Back, way back, back in the time. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah. It's the time. beginning. Yeah, just like old style. Did you say? No. I, I think it might have been the 80s. I was born in the 80s, I was too young to enjoy mm. it, but the music. Yeah. Mm. yeah Fashion? It's going to be Maybe. A little. More for the music, I think. <laughs> So I didn't get this question when you're opposed it to me, but hopefully you guys will. Is double dipping at a party ever acceptable? No. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue what that means. Join us to see. I eat it. I did my, my chicken ketchup and then I eat it and then I put it back in the ketchup. Is that out of my show with her? <laughs> 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 oh, 
Anyone else is questioning? 
Yeah. 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 I think the cue is, I think technically, so the cue is for queer or questioning. Yeah. Um, which is a part of it, isn't it? So just yeah. you don't fall into all those letters, it doesn't mean you're not part of the means you just might not know which. Uh-huh. Or some people just don't want to label it at all. So yeah. they're just mm-hmm. like, well, that's, that was the thing I wanted to come and understand <clears> because <throat> traditionally the word queer to me meant. Yeah, and absolutely. now it's being included in the kind of terminology. So for me, it can be a bit confusing as to you know why are we put the label on that first. Yeah. Level. Second of all, is is it acceptable to call someone queer, or mm. is it up to them to choose the label for themselves? I think it's up to them to choose the label for themselves, yeah. or if they don't want to be labelled. But I really like the term queer because it it, it covers even. Um, I feel like for me it covers everything, like because within that LGBTQI we have non-binary, we have people that are masculine presenting, people that are feminine presenting, and um, maybe people that like um, that aren't sure. So I like the term queer. I just think that it's it can cover everyone. I think it's quite an inclusive word for me. Yeah, it has been proclaimed quite a lot, has it? Because I know. Many years ago, it used to be quite derogatory, but now people are reclaiming it and actually using it. If someone had called me queer ten years ago, I'd have taken huge offence. Okay. And yeah, and that's I guess that's uh, well, that's you know having worked in this industry for my entire working life, you know, there's the dreaded B word, there's banter, isn't there? And mm-hmm. I've heard every I've probably heard every single like slang term that could be for a gay man, but that one, that word. Mm-hmm really offended me. And now, yes, it's nice that that, that connotation has been removed from it. And actually, I think there's loads of people, like you said, like people who aren't sure or want to dress a certain way or express themselves in a certain way. And actually, if that's an umbrella that they can be under and feel safe about that, then that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Actually, you mentioned industry, and that's what I want to speak to you guys as well. Do you think this is an inclusive industry? Do you find it easy to be yourself as part of this industry? Because obviously, all of us are hospitality for many years now, so there's many decades, <laughs> seven of us. How do you find, obviously most of you are in central London, so I imagine it's a very different experience to compare being at Watford. Is Watford different? Um, I've only been there a short time, so mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure yet, but I think, um, for me anyway, I think the, I think like the teams can be inclusive every week guess you can't control sometimes yeah. they are and what their opinions are so there are some difficulties that come with that. I think the most frustrating for me thinking is coming out all the time. Yeah. Is having to tell people to come out gaily yeah like every day, you know. Um, that's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's inclusive. I think like I like I worked for Emily from I joined Emily in two thousand eight. I was talking to Johnny about this one day, I think like I actually have never really experienced any different treatment at all, which for me is a good thing. Like it's sort of it's like it's not I don't actually want anyone to go out of their way, like I'm not different to anyone else. Like it's it's I've always felt like it's just almost this unspoken thing. Not unspoken like people are trying to avoid it, but people don't talk about my sexuality because what difference does that make to how I do my job or how I lead my team or how I how I contribute to the success of the company or the industry. Um, which I think is a positive thing, really. 
But then I guess it depends on that. I'm, you know, I came out God, like 17 years ago, so probably not maybe looking for that. I think when I, I think, I think I was talking to you about this as well. Like I think when I did come out, my if I think back to my general manager at the time, so I was 19. I think he supported me in the best way he could. Well, I th- at the time, it felt like really good. But now I think back, I'm like, oh, now I would hope if I was a GM again, I would, or even as an RBM, if one of my general managers came out, I would be a lot actively supporting because that would be a big like, change or a big step in their life. And actually, I think 17 years ago, that didn't happen for me anyway. But that's because there wasn't as much education yes. or emphasis on it now uh, as, there was, as, there, as there is now. So I think that's. That's fine. Yeah, generally, I think the industry is inclusive. Yeah. I think to Maddie's point, like, you can't control how a guest reacts if they come into contact with someone who's LGBTQ. Plus, so. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I think what's fantastic, obviously, this year, the first time we are participating in Birmingham Pride as a company, which has never happened before. And Tom, you're one of the lead organisers. I just wonder if you could just talk a little bit more about that. Why is that important? And kind of what, what prompted you to get involved in this? Um, well, it all kind of started in, in the first lockdown, actually, with um, a GM from Ember um, who works down in Brighton, who'd kind of made contact with one of the heads of people, Ali, and, and then said, you know, we should be starting some sort of kind of network up for people. Um, and so that's how it kind of all began. And then one of our biggest like ambitions was to have a space in a, in a major pride in one of the major cities. Kind of felt like London might be too much too soon, so we started with Birmingham as it was slightly smaller. Um, and yeah, we've just kind of there's like a team of us, probably about 10 of us now across the organization who like collaborate every four weeks to find out how we can move these things forward. And for me, it's really important because we employ over 40,000 people, is it? You know, it's a huge, huge employer, and I think it has endless benefits. I think it has good PR benefits, I think it has good engagement benefits for the people who really work for us, I think it has a commercial benefit, I think it has. A recruitment benefit because I think if we are really open about being inclusive and diverse, then people who want to be in that environment hopefully want to come and work for us. So I think it casts the net far and wide. But the most important thing is that there's loads of people. I mean, the, the, the Facebook page has like 550 something people in it now. All and not all of them are LGBTQ plus. Some of them are allies who want to learn a bit more and understand more and maybe support someone in their team a bit more. Um, but if there's that many people who are interested, then for us to not be involved in Pride is silly, really. Yeah. I was going to mention that point about the Facebook group, so I joined Thank you for inviting me. Um, sure. But, you know, can you share it with everyone just so that they can, everyone happy to join you? Maybe? Yeah, every, like everyone. It's not, um, I think we were really like keen at the beginning to be like, you don't have to be gay or lesbian yeah. or trans to, to join this group. You, it's anyone who wants to be involved in that community of like talking about like recently in Pride Month, we were sharing loads of stories in the group about like LGBTQ plus history, which I reckon I knew one of the 10, 12 posts that I did. And I think if it can educate people, then that's really good. I think education is the single most important thing in like this topic because it's lack of education. Like again, like tonight's point, you get a guest who comes in and is I don't know, intolerant or abusive to a member of staff who's LGBTQ+, it would be because they know nothing about it and they're not educated. That, yeah. that is, I think, 99% of the time, that is the reason why Absolutely. people behave that way. Well, that's why we're having this conversation today. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the whole point, trying to just talk about it. Yeah. That's the whole point. 
Um, what does that mean actually for you to have, knowing that the company is behind you as well? It's a question to everyone. Um, is that important to see that the company is doing something for it? Or I think so. else could you do? I think it's good to be, mm-hmm. have the company support this. I think you know you're working in a safe work place where you can be yourself and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Okay, so leading on to the next topic, and actually you kind of just mentioned it a bit about intolerance or about education. So I was doing a little bit of educating for myself as well, and, and I found out that homosexuality, as they called it in those days, was not was decriminalised in 1967. So before that, it was illegal, mm-hmm. and with that, it was only decriminalised in a private space for males over 21 within their house but then they harsher penalties for for showing your homosexuality outside of your house yeah. so for me that's you know, my parents were alive there and that for me is mad to think that you know that that's what our country had those kind of laws mm-hmm. there in many other countries as well that still have laws against homosexuality so Obviously, we've gone a long way, which is great, but there's still a long, lot longer to go. So, um, thinking about that, how far do you think we've done? How far is there to go? You know, are we are we on the right path, or are there certain people in society that still need to make a massive change to, you know, to correct what's happened in the past? I think we have gone uh, to a very long way to be who we are at the moment. I mean, from the country that I'm coming from, uh, Malaysia, uh, it's still illegal to be gay and you could be sent to prison. So that's the reason why I left Malaysia and came here in 2001. Um, I enjoy my life here. I, it's, I, it's who I can be myself and not to worry about how people um, would criticize me or say something bad about me. Um, yeah, so far so good. Amazing story. Yeah. I think it's like, I think, yes, we've come a long way, and there is a lot more today, I think, in especially around the world, to see it. I think it's really important to remember, like, where we were, to your point. Like, that's where we were, and that's where we are. And I think sometimes there can be impatience because people want to be like, well, we need more, we need now. And I'm like, well, actually, hang on, like, X years ago, gay marriage was not legal. X years ago, it was, there were this many countries who couldn't get married if you were gay, now there's less and less and less. I think I read something this morning actually on the tube on the way here that the Commonwealth Games at the moment, there were 35 countries in the Commonwealth that still have uh, homosexuality as illegal. I just think that's just insane. You know, you think, and I think like, I think it was Tom Daly that did like a big, like kind of uh, um, like LGBTQ plus rights kind of march and their Commonwealth opening. And I think like, that's amazing because you're doing that in a, in, a, in, a, in a space where there's 35 countries attending who at home it's legal to, to, to be who you are. That's just mental, isn't it? So you say like that, like, you can't be who you are, that's illegal. That's insane. I mean, I think that we've come a long way, but I do think there's still a lot of work to be done, to be honest. Um, I think it's especially a lot more difficult for men. I know that you have had a good experience, but I think that's like one for you. I think like, it's almost like women, it's easier to be more acceptable. In more sense, I'm just going to a guy. Because I think, because it's sexualized when it comes yeah. to women. And I think with 
in, I guess, I wouldn't say all male femininity, definitely, but there's that masculinity that, you know, a man's got to be a man. And, and I think it, I wouldn't say it threatens that, but I think it's very difficult for a guy. I do think it's much harder. Um, I think there's just a lot more stigma around that, for sure. I think that's so interesting. I would have said the opposite. I think that there are more things in popular culture about gay men. And if you look at things like Google's Drag Race, which is 95% of the contestants are gay men who identify as men. And I don't know, I think like that's, I don't know, I always kind of thought, I see your point and I, I really get it. I was thinking from personal experience, which I've not had a lot of intolerance or, or hate or anything like that. So that's amazing. I'm very grateful for that. But I sometimes get the impression that for women, it's, you know, to look a certain way or to get married to a man and have like a classic family. And I don't know, I feel like, really it's surprised you said that. I thought it would be the other way around. Well, I'm really interested because I think what is very nice to both of you are coming from a place of a lot of empathy yeah. towards each other, and I think that's where it's coming from, really. Because yeah. you'll see the other if actually it's hard for you then to really eat. And it's amazing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Great start. And just to expand on it slightly, is um, are there any things that you think either the FB could do, the government could do, you know, like you were saying, Tom, that all these countries participating in Commonwealth Games? Could we, you know, Promote it a bit more. Could we say you can't you can't join into the Commonwealth Games? I think it might be going a bit far. But mm. are there things that you think the government could do, MNB could do a bit more? Obviously, doing the Pride event, but are there more things you think we could do over the next few years to, to support? Um, in a nutshell, yes. From a, from MNB perspective, yes, I think there's way more that we could be doing. And I'll go back to education. I think for I mean we've got general managers, supervisors, kitchen managers here. So all of these people lead teams. And I think that, for, you know, if there's a young person, especially in your business, who is coming to terms with who they are, how they identify, I just don't think there's a toolkit that we provide managers of other leaders of people in our organisation, which is not just on the front line, it's at the RSC, it's everywhere. How, you know, how do you best support someone? We talk a lot about like, well-being and mental health, which is amazing. But like specifically, how do you support someone who's going through maybe like like considering a gender change or considering like you know coming out? I think there's I wouldn't know if I had a general manager who came up as trans. I'm not afraid to say that from a company resource, I don't think I'd know where to go. I can direct them to Mabel because there's wellbeing tools, absolutely, but actually well, that person that person in my mind wouldn't need the wellbeing tools. It needs some actual support and some guidance and for me to be able to like, put them in the right direction of there's this organisation, there's this charity, there's this support group. I think um, but we're missing yeah, we're missing quite a bit there, I think. Yeah. I mean yeah, I would definitely agree with that as well. I think there's so there's so many um, workshops on how to like, conduct effective meetings or how to do disciplinary or how to do investigation or how to have, you know, the, the personal improvement plans and all of that kind of stuff. So there's guides we can actually go and look and figure, you know, this is how I actually structure this. But I think to your point, definitely, like, I've had a team member come up to me before, but I'm also thinking, like, if one of my team members 
were experiencing body dysmorphia and they yeah. were coming out of stress. I actually wouldn't know how to support yeah, no, 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 no. that, that process and, you know, so yeah, definitely agree. And actually what you've been talking about a lot is being a good ally really, because yeah. some people like us, mostly Johnny, sort of putting you on the blast, but both of us are cisgender people, always be comfortable with our gender, and actually what can we do? So what does that, what does the good ally look like for you? What can people like us give you to really support and help and promote? The first one is listening, isn't it? Like seeking to understand for all those in with advice and, and here's this resource, actually, I might not need that. So just like, being really open-minded, really attentive, listening. Um, and then and then there's just that like follow-up piece as well. I think sometimes we do a lot of that like first initial great conversation. It's actually happening. if we checked in with that person, has our advice benefited them in any way? Because people love to give advice, you know, but like, you always think the advice you give is really great, but actually does it, is it does it resonate with that person? Is it helping that person? Because if it isn't, then we need to follow up and go back and try something else to support. But you're right, it's more about allies. It's more about how like if if I if a manager of my team came out as gay, I think I could, through experience, support them. If someone came out as trans, yeah. I wouldn't have a clue what to do. So it's about like making sure that everyone has that toolkit and has it in their like in their arsenal to pull out and, and, and best support people. And I appreciate that asking you guys how to be good allies is a bit not rude, but it's putting like pressure on you. Tell me what to do. But I'm just interested from your perspective as well. Um, is there something that we can do better? Is there something that is lacking? And is it, yeah. I don't know if it makes a difference how we think inside of our business and our pubs and stuff, we don't really advertise or show that we support mm-hmm. the LGBTs. It's just the bars, the bar, the stuff in China's. Oh, we support you, be safe, and all that stuff. Back here. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense yeah, yeah. in a way. Yeah, I, think, I don't think it puts pressure on mm-hmm. because if you don't, if, if you want to ask those questions, how can I mm-hmm. be better? Then no one will ever find out. So mm-hmm. I think like people are. I, I wouldn't say it's. I, I wouldn't say it's pressure. I just say it's people who question are are on the right path because if you don't ask questions, you don't learn. Yeah. And so I think the more people ask about it, the better. It's, it's because if, if you keep it being this like. Taboo subject that no one, everyone's too precious to ask about, then you know, the best conversations often come from a difficult question, don't they? So, I think that's sometimes the fear that if, yeah, I feel quite comfortable speaking to you because I know you, but mm. if I were to ask someone else, I didn't notice it, but it might, I might think, how are they going to react to that question? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, that's great to hear that, you know, people are more open than you believe. And, probably won't take offence to your question as well. So yeah, it's certainly for me that I, I question more and more how do I approach people, how do I not necessarily strangers, but <laughs> people, you know, and how I start opening the conversation. So I think this is a really good kind of step for people within our business that perhaps don't feel comfortable yeah. asking these questions. I think it can go both ways. Like I can see I can also see like why if you would ask someone too many questions, like make people make feel uncomfortable, do you know what I mean? And also, I guess maybe I'm a little bit different, but there's a part of me that also thinks like, 
I, I'll, I'll be willing to answer questions, but also go out there and there's loads of tools out there mm. that you can actually use to educate yourself. Um, and I can guide you there and stuff like that. But I also, you know, I'm overall a private person anyway, so mm. I would yeah, I would speak about the issues. I'm quite passionate. I consider myself part of the community. Um, so I just think it's about how you approach that person and making sure that it's coming from like an actual learning place and um, yeah, but also go out and educate yourself mm. and okay. stuff up there, loads of So talking about discrimination you came up before, you said Tom that you have been 17 years in MV, which is amazing to correct here, but is there any kind of times when you felt like there has been discrimination, not necessarily in the workplace, but within white society, within, you know, something that's on like on television, whatever it might be, you know, can you give us any experiences? I had one a few years back within the company, uh, when I was a chef, working in Birmingham, um, with a kitchen manager. Worked fine until she found out that I was gay, and yeah, had the hours reduced. Um, was walking in on shift and just told her straight hand, you're not needed. Uh, ended up putting in a grievance and it was all sorted out like. Um, but apart from that, in the 14 years that I've worked for the company, that's the only time I've come across it. Ever since then, I've, it's always been fine. Like. I think you sometimes get like um, indirect discrimination that's unintentional. Or, or alternatively, you view it that way because it's something that's like on the edge. So, like, to my example, like, when I was a general manager, I used to run a pub in Oxford City Centre. Um, and I remember I'd been there, I'd taken over, I'd been there like four or five weeks, and the sales weren't very good. And we had door staff on like four nights a week. And I was like, we don't need door staff, this is a waste of money. You know, I can handle the crowd myself. And I remember the RBM at the time, it doesn't work for everybody anymore. Um, Kind of questioning it, saying, well, you know, well, what if something, you know, what if, what if it gets a bit rowdy on a Saturday night? Well, I can do it. I've been working in pubs all the time by then. Um, and I, he was like, mm, you sure? You know, what if it's, you know, what if you have to remove someone? I was like, well, I've done conflict training, I've done, you know, how to handle those situations, training all with MB. MB have put me through great. Uh, courses in the time I've been with them, and I, I can't, I can't, I couldn't help at the time thinking, oh, I wonder if I was some typical burly man, if he'd have had those, those concerns. And it, it couldn't, it might have been, it might have been just me thinking it, but I just remember, I remember there, there being in my district at the time, like those typical macho men, and I just thought, oh, I wonder if he'd speak, I wonder if he'd ask, I wonder if that GM was here. To ask that question, so I think it's sometimes it's about personal perception, but I do think it happens like indirect, and that might have come from a good place. That might have come from the fact that he was like, No, I don't see you as this tough guy who could you know, break up a fight in a pub. But you just think, Well, you know, with all due respect, you're not here on Saturday nights when I've had to actually do that. And yeah. you know, sometimes the door stuff that we have, you know, with all the best intentions, that they can't get to the situation quickly enough. So actually, the man does step in. Whether you're male, female, gay, straight, like everyone, part of running a business in MB is being able to manage conflict. It's the, you know, it's, I think that's really important. But I think, like, otherwise, no, like I said earlier, I don't think there's ever been any, like, like direct discrimination that I've I faced. 
Um, had a little bit from guests in the past, like name calling, but you know, you, you just kind of have to, you have to take that on the chin and move on because it's, unfortunately that happens. Mm-hmm. I think if you've got, no matter who you are, like religion, gender, sexuality, like I think it's not acceptable, these things are not acceptable, but I think if you dwell on every single time it happens, that, I think that puts you in a really unhealthy place. I think sometimes it's called like microaggressions, mm. small things that some people might not perceive as being inappropriate, but actually yeah. they do add up. Mm. And I think it's like your example is perfect yeah. example of that actual microaggression. Yeah. People just don't realize, I think it's banter as well. That's the line we talked yeah. about earlier. What is banter and where does that turn into microaggression? It's such a dangerous, dangerous word, mm-hmm. banter. Absolutely. Can't think you have like employee relations issues around the past that have stemmed from banter. Yeah. I just think it's just not. I think unless you unless you know it's a safe thing to say, don't say it. Um, now I want to jump to the other side of things, right? Bear with me. So sometimes people say or like have an argument that actually we're almost too woke these days, so we're almost too accepting of all differences and different <coughs> people in life and stuff. Um, where do you think the line? and are we too woke as a society? I mean, I don't, I don't, I just think the line lies with like whoever that other person is, like it's, it's not your life, everyone deserves to be happy and I think that, you know, there is like a soft attached generation coming through but I think that's actually needed something to be honest, like I think that this generation specifically now like the 18 to 20 21, 22 year olds. I mean, you know, back in 67, people walked so they could now run. And that's, and I, and I like it, I do. Like, there is definitely a part of this society that is like so much more accepting. We're seeing so many more people coming out now. Um, so, Paul's Drag Race is a great example. Like, it's it started in America and that's all over the world. Like, and I think it's just become a more accepting society and I think it needs to keep going that way. Things before were not accepted, you know, and, and that's just how I feel. So, you know, it's easy to be, I guess, um, to, to, to feel that, oh, it's, it's too much and it's too woke when you're not the person that it's against. That makes sense, yeah. Because people, I mean, there's another argument where people say that we're not resilient enough anymore, that everyone's like a sensitive snowflake. I just wonder what your thoughts on that. I don't know, but do you have the pressure here? It's a complicated topic. But I just think people think that, they're just sometimes afraid to say that. I'd lie if I said I didn't think that a tiny element of that is true. I do think that there is, like, I think those people are striving for a perfect world where nothing gets said that's incorrect and mm-hmm. no one is ever marginally offended but I'm not sure that that word exists mm-hmm. because you I, I don't know what might offend you you don't know what yeah. might offend me and I think there will come a point where if everyone overthinks everything they say no one will say anything yeah. and that's not the world I would live in mm-hmm. you know it's, I actually wouldn't a really good friend of mine has very different like, views to me on a lot of different things and I really enjoy the conversations with him because actually it's like it's good. It's he'll he will help me see a certain topic from a different viewpoint and vice versa. And I, I just think I, I think some yeah, I do think some people can be oversensitive sometimes, but I think it's it's about what you 
it, like, if someone says something that really offended me, I would hope that in that moment I'd be able to help them understand why it offended me, rather than just being quietly offended and being upset about it. I just think if you can help someone understand why that language or that behaviour is not acceptable, then that's a good thing. I keep talking about education, it is genuinely all about education. Yeah. Um, I have a very example to this. I can't remember the exact stats, but basically when, I don't know how being a lefty was, like, writing left hand was, like, illegal for a long time, so children were retaught that all the time, and actually once people accepted it, yet some people preferred to write with left hand, that's how it spiked dramatically, and there was a lot of people who were really petrified that everyone will be left-handed from now on, but actually up to a certain level, and it stopped, and now it's level, it's actually the percentage of people in our population are just genuinely left-handed. Yeah. I just think that is quite a nice argument to that as well because actually now that we it's freer people can talk about these things, people can be who they are. Yeah. They can be free about it. Actually, it's not gonna it's not gonna go till the end. It's not gonna yeah. it's not everyone's gonna be gay. Yeah. Actually, it's the people who are they will become themselves and then it will stop. But I don't know if you disagree with me. I just thought it was quite a nice yeah. analogy well, there. Left-handed and gay. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I was just going to ask you as well, Mr. Crouch, about um, what's happening in the world one about uh, Arsenal Five. So, just if you wanted to give us a little bit of insight, I think it's a really great thing that's what I want to know. Yeah, so Arsenal Five is um, a charity, reasonably new charity, quite small, really rapidly growing now, um, that promote kind of safe spaces for everyone. So it's basically like places that do not uh, tolerate any form of discrimination or um, that are inclusive. So um, their kind of biggest uh, campaign is a small square sticker with the rainbow colours on, on the venue put on the door. And they're really, really specific about putting it on the door because we want people to know before they come in that you are entering like a, a space where we will not tolerate any sort of discrimination. And it kind of also lets people know who maybe are being discriminated against so they can approach a bartender or a manager or any employee and go, I'm really uncomfortable with this behaviour that's happening. And then we kind of, as a, if you have that sticker on the door, you're kind of making a commitment that you then back that up and you will not tolerate any, um, any discrimination. So we've kind of put all our work partner with Ask Clive um, to help raise money for their cause. We've created a, a pride cocktail called the Absolute Queen, um, which we've also um, absolutely vodka have got in, got more with that and promoted it for us and we're using their spirit um, and 50 pence for everyone sold goes to our supply of charity. Um, but we also did way more for uh, Pride this year in London and I know now in the other cities if there's normal on there we're going full out with you know decorations and dressing the team up and making sure that it's a really good day but I think that again broken record here but the biggest thing for me is that every venue got sent a pack which was briefed up to the team. So when someone came in and said, oh, what's the sticker on the door about what's asked for Clive? The team could go, this is what it's about, rather than, oh, I don't know. Because actually, like, we're not, you're not a partner of something if you don't know what the partner's doing. Um, I think that's really important. And the team for Ask for Clive have really like used us to learn more about our brand and our company and what, you know, and I know, I would imagine that when they, promote us as a place to come for safe spaces that they know a bit about all by one as well and the history. So yeah, it's good. It's all really positive stuff. Yeah. No, it's great. It's really good to see that 
Thank you so much for listening. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode. So make sure that you follow us, make sure that you subscribe. And if you have any questions or any suggestions, please, please, please get in touch. And my email and Johnny's email will be below. So just check the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I'll speak very soon. Bye.